If you are saved, if you're clinging on to that hope of salvation, if you're putting faith in that, if you're holding on to the promises that Jesus has given to us through Scripture, He is very interested in your life. He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Let's humble ourselves to the Lord. Let's submit to what the Lord has called us to do. And let the Lord be the guide of our lives so we personally don't have to fear the fall of our pride. our second week of the outreach series. And last week was just an introduction about uh, what is outreach, and the main point that I was trying to get at last week is that we must rejoice, or we should be rejoicing, when the lost are found, right? And we went through Luke chapter 15, and there were some Pharisees who were being salty, as you guys would say. And they were mad that Jesus was with um, sinners and tax collectors. And and they are like, what's going on here? We're the righteous ones. We're the great ones. We should be sitting with you, not these people. And Jesus shared a story, three stories actually, about the importance of the lost being found. And if you missed it, I encourage you just to look at the notes from last week if someone has them for you. This week, we're going to talk about forgiveness and love. Forgiveness and love. And to set the scene here, we're going to watch a short clip here, but I have a question. Has anyone ever seen the movie Unbroken or Unbroken 2? Got a couple hands. First one. Okay, a few hands. All right, so um, if you guys don't know, if you've never seen these movies, uh, Unbroken and Unbroken 2 is about a man named, uh, is a movie for a guy named uh, Louis. And Louis serves, Louis Zambrini, And Louis served in the military. And in the first movie, it shows how Louis was in the military fighting in the war, how he got captured by the Japanese, uh, and then he was tortured, to say the least. Um, Tortured greatly. Um, It's a miracle that he survived. And after America won the war, they were freed, and and he was able to go home. And so we see that victory in the first movie of Unbroken. But in Unbroken 2, which we're going to see the clip here shortly, in Unbroken 2, we see the journey of Louis' life after the war. And there's a point in the movie where Louis goes to a tent revival uh, where these, these guys who are sharing the gospel message and there's hundreds and thousands of people there and as they're about to pray, Louis gets up. Like he's all emotional, he's hearing what the, mess, what the pastor is preaching and as they're getting ready towards the end to pray, Louis gets up and he's going to try to leave. And the pastor was led by the Spirit to say, Don't leave! And Louis was at a crossroad moment there. Because Louis was struggling with his past, he was struggling with forgiving those who tortured him and beat him and did all the things that they did. And in that moment, Christ came to his life. And he gave his life to the Lord. He was the only one who, in the movie anyways, it shows dramatically. He comes up to the altar, he kneels, and he's crying and weeping. And he's giving his life to the Lord. And he says, I need forgiveness of my sins. And I need, to help, need help to let go of this bitterness. 
And to the point that we're going to watch the clip now, Louis goes back. Louis goes back to Japan where, where the prisoners are um, that beat him. Those who were uh, soldiers for Japan who beat him and everything, they are now prisoners of America. And Louis comes back. And let's watch this three-minute clip to see what happened. Hmm. I love that scene. So much so that I watched it two or three times and I cried like a baby every single time. You know why? Because that shows a great picture of forgiveness. See, Louis could have been bitter and in that moment he could have been angry with them. He could have said all these things. Or as a matter of fact, he could have said, kill them all right there in that moment. And, and if you missed the, the part where he's talking to the captain there, he's asking, where's the bird? The bird was the captain of the Japanese family who, who led all the abuse and the torture to happen. And the, the bird actually picked on Louis the most. Like in the, in the first movie, Louis has to hold a wooden beam over his head. And if he drops it, he's going to be shot and killed. And Louis holds it from morning to afternoon to the evening. And the bird is so upset with him that he goes after him and punches him and, and beats him up in that. And I love when Louis says, if you find him, if you find the bird, did you notice what he said to give him? A Bible. And he quoted Matthew 6, 14. And I think that this is a great example that we see here in this scene about what forgiveness looks like. And we're going to go to God's Word and see another example of what forgiveness looks like. But the main idea I want you guys to, to recognize, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this point down. If there's nothing else you get from tonight, here's the point I want you to understand, is that people who can't forgive can't show love. People who can't forgive can't show love. And if we can't forgive and if we can't show love, then we can't reach the lost for the gospel message. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. If you don't have a Bible, partner up with a friend. And if you're someone who's consistently not bringing your Bible, I would encourage you to do so. Because it's God's Word. That's why we're here. And, and the Bible is your weapon. You do know that, right? That the, the Bible is considered the sword. It's the, the, the sword that we need every day to fight as Christians. And if you don't know how to use your weapon, if you don't know how to combat the, the, the mental battles or the anxieties or how to learn to forgive someone, then you're missing out on loving truth from the Lord. So turn with me to Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36, and we're going to see what Jesus says when it comes to forgiveness and love. Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. Him being Jesus, the Pharisee invited Jesus to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. Pharisee's house. 
She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who he is touching, touching him. She is a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Yes, say it, teacher. A creditor has two debt debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has stooped, she has stopped, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she's, she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for every individual that is here. We thank you that by your grace we have the freedom to even gather here and, and worship your holy name through song and praise and being in your word, Lord God. Holy Spirit, as we go into your word here tonight, Lord, I pray that you open up all of our hearts and our minds and our ears to hearing the truth of this word, Lord God. And recognize the importance of forgiveness, Lord. Because forgiveness comes from you and you alone because of the work that you have done on the cross, Lord Jesus. So help us today to have a mindset or, or a lens to forgive people like you forgive us, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you all glory and honor. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first section on your note sheet is called Dinner Time with Jesus. Dinner time with Jesus. I love that because I look forward to the day that we get to have dinner with Jesus. You, you do know that happens, right? If you, when you read Revelation, it talks about the second coming and, and of being in heaven with Jesus and being on a new earth. There is a point that we will get to have a feast and dine with Jesus. And I cannot wait for that moment. But these individuals in the time, based on God's timing and Jesus' timing to come into the world, they had the opportunity to dine with Jesus. And they're at this Pharisee's house named Simon, as we read. And then there's this woman. 
There's this woman that is mentioned here in Luke. Now, Luke doesn't mention the name of the woman, but in John chapter 12, which depicts the same uh, scene that's happening, John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, tells us the woman's name. So in John 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfumes, with the perfume. And so, this is Mary, the the sister of Lazarus. Who knows who Lazarus is? Who's Lazarus? Just shout it out. No one knows who Lazarus is? Yes, he got raised. He got raised from the dead. And and in this moment, they're having a festival. They're all at the house of the the Pharisee here. And and, uh, Mary, in this moment that she sees Jesus, anoints him. Wipes his feet with her hair. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit of the symbolic behind all of this. But we see here again that the Pharisee is salty. Yeah, no, 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 no. I saw someone just wave their finger like, oh. He is mad. He, he is upset about that. The fact that this woman is even here. The fact that the woman has touched Jesus. He is upset. And he's thinking again, Jesus, don't you know who this woman is? And don't you know who I am? Get her out of here in a sense is what he's saying. And we see in Luke Luke 7, verse 39, the Pharisee, it says again, the Pharisee who invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. And we talked about this last week. Those who were considered sinners were considered unclean and unholy. And and the Pharisees somehow thought to themselves that they were clean and holy and perfect and they were somehow just like God because they've, well, they, in their minds, have never sinned. Sometimes that happens here. We come to church, we're all gathered together, we hear a message like this, or a message like last week, and we're like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Can I tell you, every part of Scripture applies to every single one of us, and in these moments here, we too can act like a salty Pharisee. Oh, I can't believe that person's here. Why is that individual here? Why are you talking to that individual? And so Jesus replies to this. And for those who were here last week, I said, if Jesus has a story or a question, what's the importance behind that? If Jesus is sharing a story or asks a question, what is the importance behind this? No one? No one remembers. If Jesus tells a parable, what's the point of the parable? What's up? Yes, we should be listening. If Jesus is sharing a story or a parable, we should be listening. Why? Why? 
Yes, Jesus is teaching us something that's important that we should know. Great job. So we should be listening to these stories or these questions. And so Jesus asks him a question, this Pharisee, and again, the question is, a creditor has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. You have judged correctly, Jesus told him. So Jesus here is setting up the scene. He's setting up his comeback to the Pharisees question. And here's a side note. If someone ever asks you a question and you're like, I don't know how to answer that, just ask another question. Right? Like, when, my, when Rachel asked me, does this dress look great on me? I said, well, does this shirt make me look silly? No. No? Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. My wife looks pretty in everything she wears. So, that's, that's the correct answer. <laughs> Anyways. So, Jesus answers a question with a question here. And he's setting up the Pharisee with the answer. And the Pharisee knows the answer. Simon knows the answer. He's like, well, well, the one who's forgiven more, I guess, will show more love. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. But then Jesus goes into the importance of forgiveness and explains it a little bit further. In Luke 7, verses 44 to 50. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, have washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. Side note for a second. The washing of feet, so you know, was a way of cleansing. Right? It was a way of cleansing in that time. It was also a way of showing rest. So you got to think about it. Uh, back in that time, uh, they didn't have these nice shoes that we all have that you know support our us when we walk. They didn't have nice walking shoes or running shoes. They mostly wore sandals or some walked bare feet. And if you walk barefoot or if you're walking in sandals on uh, dusty roads, what usually happens? Come on, you know what happened. What? Cuts and dirt and everything, right? Anyone ever, you know, sidebar, one of the things that irritates me the most, actually, is walking on the beach. Why I love being at the beach and walking, it's coming off the beach afterwards where everything's just sandy. Right? And so, so the, the point of using water and cleansing water was to, to like a way of rest and, and cleaning up. And so Jesus is saying to this Pharisee, Hey, you invited me here. You, you wanted to have dinner with me, and this is great, but first you didn't even show love to me. You, you didn't show hospitality to me. You, you didn't even offer water for rest or to clean my feet. And here you are being upset that someone is, is with humility. Cleaning my feet with tears and wiping them dry with my hair. And when Jesus goes on, he says, You gave me no kiss. But she hasn't stopped kissing me, kissing my feet since I came in. Now, in that time, now it doesn't happen here. But in different cultures, in the Eastern culture, a kiss was a, was a way of greeting. 
A kiss on the cheek, you would kiss on, I think it's in Italy, right, Rachel? They would kiss on two cheeks as a sign of greeting, as a sign of love, like, welcome, we're glad that you're here. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, first off, you didn't even show hospitality. You didn't show love first by offering me at least to clean my feet or give some rest. You didn't welcome me like you really wanted me here, like you actually truly wanted me and and sit back and, you know, Pastor John asked this question months ago, but has anyone ever been invited to a home and they said, oh, just relax and be like you're at your own home and then you can't. Right? Like they kind of they kind of contradict themselves. You're like, uh, well, this is what's happening here. Like Jesus doesn't even feel welcomed. And Jesus goes on. And he says, "You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her." Your sins are forgiven. Now, were her sins forgiven because of the work that she did? No. Her her sins were forgiven, as Jesus says, that your faith has saved you. And her faith was knowing that Jesus was the Messiah, knowing that Jesus was the Son of God. Mary just saw her brother be raised from the dead. Like, how many of you would be a little freaked out? Like, if Uncle Charlie was dead, Jesus raises Uncle Charlie from the grave after four days, and on the fifth day, Uncle Charlie's having dinner with you. That would be crazy. Right? You'd be like, oh, no, 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 I'm too cool for that. No. Come on, we'd all be like, this is insane. This is amazing. And, and, and Mary, out of humility and love for the Lord, is, is, as she said, she knew that Lazarus was going to rise uh, on the resurrection day. She knew that Jesus was the resurrection and the life, as he even proclaimed. And out of love and humility, she got down and worshipped the King of Kings. And here's, here's just a few points with this. Number one point is that forgiveness takes humility. Forgiveness takes humility on both ends. You're like, both ends? What, what do I mean by this? To receive forgiveness from the Lord takes humility. And, and here's what I mean. Some of you guys, and I know this because I've struggled with this before... Some of you guys do not want to receive the forgiveness of Christ based off what he's done on the cross. Some of you guys, you, you'll make excuses be like, well, no, you don't understand what I've done. I've done all these bad things. There's no, there's no way that Jesus can love me. That, that's pride coming in the, in the way, saying that you're somehow... Your problems are so bad that Jesus can't forgive them. You do know that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Who came into this world to save everyone. Now, do we know that everyone, we know that not everyone will give their life to Jesus. Not everyone will, will worship Jesus. They will actually rebel against Jesus. But Christ came and still died for everyone, knowing that aspect. 
every sin that you've committed past, present, and future, Christ has forgiven you for it. And I'm here to tell you, you need to stop beating yourself up for the past failures that you've made. Look up here for a second. Because this is really important, and I think this could hopefully change someone's life. Praise be to God for it. Some of you guys are just walking around every day like, Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I've sinned. I, I've, I've done all these bad things. There's no way I can be forgiven. I'm here to tell you that you can be forgiven. And your past sins, your past failures, all those hurts and habits and hang that have happened in your past do not define you. Jesus Christ, who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, who is the Savior of this world, defines your life the moment you give your life to Him. And the second thing that we need to know from this a little bit here is that people who have a hard time forgiving others have a hard time forgiving themselves. Kind of goes along with this. People who have a hard time forgiving others have a hard time forgiving themselves. And I was putting this together, I was convicted by this, and, and, and also thankful for the work that the Lord's been doing in my life this, this past year, but that phrase I just said talks about me. A lot. See, for the past year, well, actually several years, you may not know this or not, but um, for years I have struggled with anxiety. And I know some of you guys struggle with anxiety. I struggled with what people thought of me. I, I struggled with my past failures. I, I struggled with all the, the sins uh, that I've committed. I, there's all these things underlining that I would not deal with and bury them, trying to bury them anyways. And it would cause all this anxiety and turmoil in my heart and, and all these different things. Yeah, that's how I felt, whoever sighed. I was like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't want to feel like this anymore. This is too tiring! And then, a year ago, when we lost our daughter, it all came out. I just lost it. Like, I could no longer keep down all those hurts. I could no longer keep down all those things that I was holding on to bitterness and, and anger and frustration and things that I, I dealt with, all, all these lies and labels and everything. It all just came out. And for the past year or so, I've been, yeah, about a year now, I've been seeing a counselor working through some of these things. And you know what the biggest reason for my anxiety was? I was harboring way too much bitterness. I would not forgive people. See, it's both a blessing and a curse, but I, God has given me this gift to just remember a lot of things. A lot of special events, or, or and, and just to like vividly remember it. You can ask my wife because if she forgets something, she'll be like, "Hey, do you remember?" And whatever. 
while it's a blessing to have, it's also a curse because the enemy will like to use that and allow bitterness to just creep up. For example, I was in high school and I was a cross-country runner, track and field runner. Anyone track and field cross-country runners? We got one. All right. Two, three. Woo! All right. You're my favorite people now. Just Anyways, in high school, I was just on a normal jog, much faster, back in high school. And this bully, this kid, he was in a car with someone else, and he's pulling by me, and he's saying all this, this stuff. And I'm keeping my headphones in, um, running with my eye... It wasn't an iPhone, it was an eye... Yes, iPod. There you go. That's how old I am. And I have this music in, and I'm, I'm just trying to negate everything that he's saying, but he keeps getting louder, and he keeps running by me and saying all this stuff. And then eventually I just ripped my earphones off, and I said something to the fact, would you just shut up and leave me alone? And the kid had the audacity to look me in the eyes and said, Mike... Just give up on your life. No one cares about you. If you were to die today and be in the ground, no one would bat an eye. And he ran off. Or I should say, drove off. And I stood there. Like, I don't know if you've ever been cut deep like that before, where someone has said something so hurtful to you. But I was cut deep in that moment. I don't think I've really shared this with anyone, so it's the first time this is coming out. I ran back home, crying, mile ride home, crying in tears, and thought for a split second, he's right. He's right. If, if I were to take one of these knives that are here in the kitchen and... and cut myself or, or stab myself, no one would bat an eye. And I harbored from that point on, because I never dealt with it, I wasn't a Christian at the time, I didn't know how to handle this stuff. I harbored that in an unhealthy way. For example, when I went to college to run cross country and track, and this is kind of weird, so if you're ticked like me and this gets you going competitively, you may understand this. If you don't, you're like, this, you're really weird. But when I compete, to get me like in a focus zone, you got to get me angry. It's like the weirdest thing. Like, you have to get me angry, like focus competitively, like, all right, that guy, that guy that you're going to beat in the race, he thinks you're a loser. All right, I'm going to go chase down that loser and, and, and win this race. But my coach would never, my coach would say something or my assistant coach would say something be like, all right, I'm focused. But I wasn't necessarily focused on what he would say. In an unhealthy way, I would still think of what that kid said to me when I was in high school. And all this bitterness and anger and resentment would come up and, and, and I never truly forgave him. Someone has a nice tune to their cell phone. Other people that I haven't forgiven properly. 
should have answered it. I mean, <laughs> it's all good. Another, another, another group of people that I didn't necessarily forgive well and I, I held on to bitterness for quite some time were my parents. Now, maybe some of you, you, you maybe you grow up in a great home. That's great. Maybe some of you, you don't. And I kind of feel you in that aspect because I didn't grow up in one of the greatest homes. I mean, I don't have to get into all the details, but... Um, my parents' marriage wasn't necessarily the greatest. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of lying. There was a lot of deception. There were a lot of hurtful words and, and frustration in that. And for the longest time, I harbored bitterness and anger towards my parents. And it's still something, a constant struggle that I have to, to battle against and, and pray against. Here's my point. If you lack forgiveness and you allow bitterness and frustration to weigh you down, you're never going to be able to show love to other people. You will always look at people with a cynical view. You'll always look at people in a way of, how are they going to hurt me next? How are they going to betray me Next, And if we want to reach, if you want to reach your peers, you want to reach your friends for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you, we all together, must learn to forgive. We must learn to forgive. Because listen, people will say some weird stuff. And they will say some hurtful stuff. And sometimes people don't intend it. Sometimes in, in weird situations, they'll just say things that come out because they don't really know how to, to deal with it. But there are people out there who will say some hurtful things to you. And you can hold on to that bitterness. You can get angry and, and uh, poison yourself with that bitterness. And the next time you see them, you get so mad at them that you're like, Hey! No, no one's ever wanted to punch someone in the face before? Yeah, okay. That's, that's what I thought. I'm not, I know, like... But that's not the Christian way, right? We, we should learn to forgive. We should learn in moments like that to, to say, Hey, I'm sorry for the role that I played in this. I, I recognize that I hurt you in some way, and I need to ask for forgiveness there. I also need to ask for forgiveness because I've been holding this bitterness and resentment towards you because I didn't like something that you said or you, you hurt me with your words or, or whatever it may be. And when we learn to forgive, we learn to look at people through a lens differently. Because here, here's what I mean. When we learn to forgive and when we learn to receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ based off of what He's done on the cross, we can look at other people and say, they can be forgiven. They can be forgiven. They can be forgiven. That person is probably hurting deep down inside. There's some type of hurt or wound that is causing them to act out in this certain way. We can provide hope. 
we can provide healing. And maybe that person or group of people can learn to forgive those who hurt them. And then maybe those people will be like, whoa, well, where did, how did you learn to do this? How did you, you know, work through this? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. And, it, and the cycle just keeps going and going and going and going and going until millions upon millions of people know Jesus. But if we don't learn to forgive, and you can retitle the last part of your notes to this, unresolved forgiveness leads to bitterness and destruction. Unresolved forgiveness leads to bitterness and destruction. Now, at this um, party that was taking place, Luke doesn't tell us, but John and Matthew tell us that the disciples were there, and one of the twelve was Judas. Who's Judas? Sydney, who's Judas? Yes, he betrayed Jesus. And did you know that it really happened after this point? Let's read John 12, verses 4 through 8, and you can write them down and look at them later in your small groups. But in John 12, verses 4 through 8, it says this, Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, noticed the Bible doesn't keep any secrets. You know right from the get-go, oh, who's going to betray Jesus? Judas. Judas said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in. Put in. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial, for you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now in Mark 14, it records those same things, but then adds on what happened afterwards. Mark 14, verses 10 through 11. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. See, in that moment, Judas held on to bitterness and anger. He was upset for all the wrong reasons. First off, he was like, oh, we could have made money. A.K.A. I could have made money. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of who I am. I'm not here to become ruler here on just this earth as a physical king. I'm here to be the savior of the world. And Jesus didn't like that. He was bitter, he was angry, he was upset because he wasn't getting what he thought he wanted or was trying to grab after. And so he betrayed him. Here's a question. How how often do we betray Jesus in our own lives because of our pride and our selfish wants and desires? I I can name my list. I I can think of times when I've allowed pride and and selfishness. Jesus, I want it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. Okay, go ahead. There's consequences to that, but go ahead. Here's the point. Again, those who can't forgive can't show love. Those who can't forgive can't show love. And showing forgiveness is important, again, as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. As 
That video said, Matthew 6.14, For if you forgive others of their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. You do know if you hold on to that bitterness and you won't forgive, there's, there's no forgiveness for you. But, but if you repent and ask for forgiveness from the Lord and receive that forgiveness from the Lord and not allow bitterness and anger and frustration and all the hurts and all the things that have been said in, in, to you and all these, these, these hurts that just build up inside get you to the point where you're poisoning yourself over bitterness and anger. If you just let it go to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for the bitterness and the anger that's unhealthy. Lord, help me to recognize that vengeance is yours. How often do we want to get vengeance on someone? Right? You think, like, oh, that person hurt me. I want to hurt them back. The Lord God says, vengeance is my, saith the Lord. Leave it to Him. See, I I woke up in the middle of the night to this verse, Psalm 92, verse 7. The wicked walk around thinking like they're prospering and and everything is good for them. And it looks like they're, they're winning. But their final judgment comes to the Lord just like all of us. And unfortunately, because of their rebellion, because of their sin, their judgment means separation from the Lord for the rest of eternity. But for those who have hope in the Lord, for those who trust in the Lord, for those who know they are forgiven and they know that they can show love and forgive others because Christ has shown love and forgiveness to us, there is hope. There is healing. There's an opportunity to be different. Some of you guys are in school. Some of you guys are about to go into school. And some of you guys are dreading it. And maybe it's because of some people who have said some things before. Maybe it's because of some people who have hurt you in certain ways. I'm just going to tell you, let it go. Let it go. Is it going to be easy? No. I daily have to pray if, if things pop. Like, for it, I, I'm not going to get all the details, but there were some things that came up from my past as I'm preparing this message on forgiveness and battling through it. Like, Lord, nope, I'm not going to let bitterness get in. No, Lord Jesus, I can't allow that poison to come into my heart, Lord, because then that's going to act out dangerously. Lord, you got to constantly pray against it. Because there are going to be hurts and things that you'll re- remember, but you don't have to let them dictate your life. You don't have to allow them to have a stronghold on your life. Jesus Christ can ha- is the one who is the rock of your life. So who's that bully you need to forgive? Who, who's that teacher that you need to forgive? Who's that parent or brother or sister or maybe even former close friend or f- maybe current friend right now that you have to forgive? I don't know, we all have to ask that question. But here's the thing. If we don't learn how to forgive, we cannot love those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for every student uh, that is here tonight, Lord God. Thank you for every leader that is here tonight, Lord. Father, we pray as we look at this, Lord Jesus, that you call us to forgive because we were forgiven. We were forgiven out of your love. We don't deserve it. 
We can't earn forgiveness. But out of love for us, you forgave us to the point of death. Father, help us to forgive even when it's hard. And Father, if there are people that maybe we hold on to bitterness to or anger to or, or whatever it may be, Lord, can I, I, I ask today that students here tonight will just let it go and give it to you, Lord Jesus. And any time memories of those things come up, Lord, I pray that they, they pray and they earnestly come to you, Lord Jesus. Father, if, if we can't receive your forgiveness, and if we can't learn to forgive others, Lord God, we cannot show love to others, Lord Jesus. And you call us to show love to others because we love you. Father, there are many people who are hurting. There are many people who, they, they themselves are dealing with bitterness and anger, and that's why they act out in the way that they do. Father, help us have eyes that have a, a lens of forgiveness and looking at them in different ways, Lord God, looking at them that they are hurting, that they are struggling, and that we can walk around and come around beside them and say, hey, there is hope, there is healing, and that is found in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, would you just have your way here the rest of the evening like you always do. And God, may the glory and honor be given to you in Jesus' name. Hi, Pastor Mike here. Thank you for listening to the Morningstar Student Ministry Podcast. Whatever your age, my hope and prayer is that you grow a desire to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through these messages. For more information about the Morningstar Fellowship Student Ministry, or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, please visit www.mstarqtown.org and search M-Star Students. God bless, and have a great week.